Welcome to Think Jewish. And I'd like to thank uh, Chaya for sponsoring the refreshments. This week, Parshas Mishpatim. Last week, uh, we received the Ten Commandments. We read the Ten Commandments in Parsha Yitro. And this week's Torah portion is Parshat Mishpatim. Mishpatim means judgments and it refers to mitzvot. The title for today is Who Gave Whom the Mitzvot? Why is that a question? It seems to be very obvious. God gave us the mitzvot. So the subtitle is When a Jew does a mitzvah, he, go he causes God to perform the mitzvah. So, before we start today, there is going to be a couple of Kabbalistic stuff going on. So, um, I want to start with the, with the end, so that we can see where we're heading to. We already know where we're heading to, and then we can work through all the Kabbalistic teachings. So, what's going on over here is that the Jewish people, the Jewish people have the deepest child connection with God. And therefore... They carry within them the inner desire of God. When we talk about something called chayfetz, God's desire, it refers to the Jewish people, and specifically the Jewish people doing Torah mitzvot in this world. Therefore, when a Jew causes a reaction from God through performing God's commandments, they draw upon themselves and into the universe a divinity and vitality beyond the external force of divinity and vitality within the laws of nature created by God to govern over all creation. That last sentence is important. We're hearing about two different types of divinity. There is divinity which is the laws of nature. God set it up to be so. Then there is the divinity which is the inner desire of God. There are two different types of divinity. So let's talk about this. When we speak about the laws of nature from a divinity point of view, we see it as a metaphor of a person who's sleeping. Let's focus on that metaphor for a moment. It's used a lot in the Hasidus. When a person is sleeping, what's going on? He's alive. All his organs are working. Even his intellectual capacity, he's having dreams. However, the higher conscious and the higher intellect isn't at play. So we look at a person who's sleeping and what do we see? We see only the external diminished ray of life force. Versus when a person's up, we're talking then about the inner, higher function, higher life force, higher divinity. In Kabbalah, when we talk about, and Hasidus, when we talk about the person who's sleeping, we refer to his life force as kista de chayusa. Just a, a faint little bit of life. Chayusa, it's, it's not Hebrew, it's Aramaic, and chayusa comes to the word chay, chayim. So there's just a diminished external ray of divinity life force. When we talk about the laws of nature, the way God set up the world, it has that external kista de chayusa. The inner 
the inner divinity, the desire of God, the essential relationship with God isn't brought into the world, the laws of nature, until we introduce the Jew who performs a mitzvah or studies Torah. Because that connects beyond the tzimtzum. It connects in a face-to-face -face relationship with God, which draws down not just the kisto de chayusa, not just the external ray of divinity, but the inner essence of divinity. So introduction number one is that all of creation which is the product of post-symptom, all of it is only the external ray, the kista de chayusa. It isn't God's passion. It isn't God's inner desire. God's inner desire is, as Rashi tells us right in the beginning of the Torah, the word bereshit stands for bet reshit, two things which are called reshit from the word rush, head. And what is that? the Jewish people, and Torah. The inner dimension, the inner desire, the inner purpose of all of creation is that the Jew in this physical world should physically study Torah and physically perform mitzvot. And when the Jew does that, that's how we draw God's passion, God's inner desire, God's essence into creation first within the person and the mitzvah and then into the entire universe take it a step further because the inner desire and purpose of all of creation is that the Jew only the Jew which is a soul in a body physically alive should be doing in this world the earth physical mitzvot therefore even the spiritual dimensions of mitzvot is in a form of kista de chayusa, external ray of life force. Okay? Introduction number two. No. Just for right now, let's stick to the language here. Let's go to the third level, the third introduction. The third introduction is to understand cause and effect. God created the world, and when God gave us the Torah, until the Torah, the entire universe was living off a spiritual welfare. There's nothing they did to earn their relationship with God, their life force from God. However, once God gave the Jewish people the Torah, it is now the way it works that God put us in the driver's seat, and we are the one that causes all effects of all divinity and life force within creation. So much so that in the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, even the worlds of angels, even the world beyond angels, Atzilut, which only has the ten emanations and the svirot, all the lights and the vessels, all of that in quantity and in quality depends upon what the physical Jew down here is going to do in his Torah study and in his mitzvah observance with his freedom of choice. 
And thus God is now reacting to our actions. We become the cause and he, so to speak, becomes the effect. Now this in itself we need to understand. How could it be that the finite human being should be able to cause a reactionary effect by the infinite God? We need to understand all this, okay? However, this is just, what I'm just telling you is that this is the introductions. The answer to the question that I just asked, how can the physical Jew be the one to cause an effect by God? The answer in one sentence, which we're going to go deep into today, is that God empowers us for every single mitzvah, that our performance of the mitzvah should cause a reactionary effect by God. So we have these introductions. Again, let's line them up. We have the first introduction to understand that all of creation has the type of relationship with divinity because they're not the inner desire of God. They're only to serve a purpose of his inner desire, which is that the Jews should fulfill Torah and mitzvahs in the physical realm with freedom of choice. Therefore, all of creation on its own has what we're calling tonight Kista de Chayusa, a very pale external ray of divine light. It is only the Jew because of his soul and being the inner desire of God's purpose for creation. When he does Torah and mitzvahs physically, he connects and bonds and draws into creation the passion, the inner essence, the essence of the infinite light. Number one. Number two, what we're saying is that the beauty of since we received the Ten Commandments and the Torah is that right now we earn our relationship with God, we earn our divine life force, and that is because we are now the one who created the cause and that causes by God a reactionary effect. So all of the divinity and the life force and the infinite light that's relating and being drawn into the world is actually an effect of our performance of Torah study and mitzvot observance, which is the cause and effect rule. How is it possible? Because God gives us the power within every mitzvah, as we shall soon see, to be able to have that relationship with Him that we cause and He affects. Okay? Okay, now we can start the lecture on this week's Torah portion. So what's the first verse in this week's Torah portion? These are the judgments which you shall place before them. Okay? Opening verse. What does the Medrash say upon this? The Medrash says upon this something very interesting. It quotes a verse from the last uh, chapters of Tehillim. And it says over there like this, we say it in our prayer services every single morning, which translated, he tells his words to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. And what does the Medrash say? He tells his words, words is Dvarav. That refers to the Aseret Hadibrot, the Ten Commandments. He tells us his chukim and his mishpatim, his statutes and his judgments. This refers to the opening verse of our Torah portion. These are the judgments which you shall place before him, before them. And now the Medrash goes on to the next stage of explaining. 
Now it wants to know why does it say Magid Varav suffix Yudvav, which in English means his. His words he tells to the Jewish people, his statutes and his judgments he tells to the Jewish people, to Israel. Why? Why the word his, his, his? And the Medrash explains. And the way the Medrash explains it is, for not like the ways of flesh and blood, i.e. human beings, is the ways of God. Flesh and blood tell other people to do, but they themselves don't do. While God, that which he does, he tells Israel to heed and to do. Interesting teaching. And therefore it says his statutes, his words, because he himself does them. And he tells us to heed them and do them as well. Okay. Now we need to understand this. What does it mean that he does what he tells us to do? To understand this, the Rebbe, this what I'm, I'm sharing tonight, is based on a mimer, a Hasidic discourse, delivered by the Rebbe in 1968. The Rebbe based his mimer in 1968 on a mimer of the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rab Shmuel of Lubavitch, who delivered his mimer a hundred years prior in 1868. So because it was a hundred years, the Rebbe was working on that mimer, and the Rab Shmuel of Lubavitch takes it from a different approach, and the Rebbe is going to focus on that, ask some questions, and give us some deep insights. He, this, the mime of the, of the Rebbe Marash is not on this week, it's actually on next week's Torah portion. However, as you know, that this Shabbat afternoon, we will already be reading the beginning of next week's Torah portion. And what is the opening of next week's Torah portion? God commands Moses, and you shall take for me a donation. What is that verse about? That verse is simply the kickoff to the building campaign of the tabernacle that the Jews built for God in the desert. Simply, take from me a donation. Run a building campaign. And comes along our sages, and they go far deeper into this verse. They say, don't read v'yichuli, take for me. Rather, read it v'yichuli, and they take me. And what is the teaching here? The teaching is that when you perform a mitzvah, what you're doing is you're taking me, capital M-E. So it's not like you're just doing what I said to do, but rather when you do this, you are actually taking me. Not some external kisto de chayusa, some external life force, a ray of the finite. No. When you do a mitzvah, when you say the words, Asher kidishanu b'mitzvotav, v'tzivanu, he has sanctified us with his commandments and he has commanded us. You are actually taking the essence of God. It isn't just an external relationship. Rather, God has placed himself within his commandments and you are taking him, the me of God, M-E. What does this mean? So it explains a little bit deeper in Kabbalah that the word li, me, is something that once God uses that word, it never changes. 
The verse, uh, the, the teaching is everywhere where it says the word li, me, ain't a zazmim como. It won't move from its place. Now, what does that mean it won't move from its place? So we're going to have a Kabbalistic interpretation, Hasidis, which will make sense of it. What it means is that all the levels of divinity have gone through the spiritual evolution starting with the original contraction, symptom. And thus, once you have something that went through an evolution, you cannot say the word Li, that it never changes. The word Li only refers to the level of divinity upon which it says, Ani, I am God, I did not change. Which is the I was, I am, and I always will be without change. So all the lower levels, all the levels that were affected by the contraction in creation, you can't apply this to. So when it says, and you're taking me, what it means is not the divinity which is within the laws of nature, because that's not the essence which is unchangeable. Rather, we're talking about you're taking the essence, the me of God, the essence of the infinite light. So now we have a deeper appreciation of what happens when a Jew performs mitzvot. It creates a total quantum leap change within creation creation was in a state of slumber just surviving not really catching the inner attention and passion of god but once god's inner desire and passion kicks in i.e the physical jew does a physical mitzvah then you have the yichuli now you're taking me my essence into the picture okay to understand the magnitude of this we need to now go back to the original teaching of the medrash what does it mean when it says that which god does he tells the jewish people to heed and to do okay so here comes the question. This question is going to be repeated three times. Who performs the mitzvah first? God or the Jewish people? If you read the teaching as it reads, what does it seem to be saying? What it says is that the mitzvah, that which he does, he tells Israel to heed and to do. From just reading that simple sentence as is in the teaching of our sages, it seems to be telling us that God does the mitzvah first, and that which he does, he tells us to do. However, this cannot be the case. Why can it not be the case? For two, we're going to give you two examples for reasons. Number one, the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. Right? What do we know about Rosh Chodesh? The new month is established by the Jewish courthouse, the Bet Din. It's established by two witnesses coming and saying we saw the new moon. Okay? Let's just quickly not get caught up in this. Okay? The lunar orbit is 29 and a half days. And you cannot make Rosh Chodesh a half a day. 
So it balances out by some Jewish calendar months having 30 days and some having 29 days. How is it decided? Today we have from the great sage Hillel, he set up for us a calendar because we don't have no more the Jewish courthouse. However, when the Jewish courthouse existed, they couldn't establish it on the calendar. They used the calendar in questioning the testimony of the witnesses. But there had to be two witnesses which came and said, we saw the new moon. And then it was proclaimed as Rosh Chodesh. Now here's an interesting, word, interesting law. In that verse that talks about the mitzvah of the Bet Din establishing the Rosh Chodesh, the new month, it actually has an extra word and we learn out from what that word a very peculiar law. Even if the Bet Din, the courthouse, intentionally erred, for whatever reason they wanted to push Rosh Chodesh off a day or draw it in earlier day, and they know that they are intentionally making a mistake. We learn out from that word, extra word in the Torah, that the way they established the Rosh Chodesh with their intentional error is the Rosh Chodesh. Now, while that may seem as just a, a, an interesting fact, look what it does to our conversation. So if Rosh Chodesh was intentionally aired by Bet Din, the courthouse, that means that the 15th day of the month is going to be an error. And when God told us on the 15th month of the first month of Nisan, which is Passover, you shall eat matzah, that means the mitzvah of matzah is not going according to quote-unquote God's courthouse because they intentionally erred. God actually, so to speak, depends upon the physical Jew down here passing the law and establishing Rosh Chodesh. And all of the mitzvot of Passover depends upon that mistake. Thus you see who's in control. And so to speak, God cannot do the mitzvah before the Jewish people do the mitzvah because the Jewish people have to establish when the mitzvot are happening. Very powerful law. Another thing. This is interesting. The Talmud, the first tractate of Talmud in Brachot on page 6, says that God wears tefillin. You probably heard about this when you study the story of Moses asking God to see his face and um, God puts him on the crack of the rock and says, I will place my hand over your face. You will not be see my face, you will see my back. And what does Rashi tell us? Rashi tells us he saw the tefillin knot of the headpiece which goes in back of the neck. What exactly that means, that's what the Talmud says. It's just the way it is. So now let's talk about this. The Talmud says, Tfilin the Mother Alma, Tfilin of the Master of the Universe. What does it say in it? The Tfilin of the Jewish people says, Hear, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. What does it say in God's Tfilin? And the Talmud gives an answer. It says a verse Mika Amcha Yisrael, Go Echad Ba'aretz. Who is like you, God's nation? who is one upon a goy echad, one nation upon earth, ba'aretz. Okay. 
comes along again the deeper teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidis and says, what is this verse really saying? Mi ka'amcha Yisrael, who is like your nation, God? What makes them special? That even when they're upon earth, the realm of complexity, the realm of multiplicity, nevertheless, they establish within this earth your echad, your oneness. Mi ka'amcha Yisrael, who is like your nation Israel, Goy, the nation which echad ba'aretz, even within earth, they establish your oneness. Now, how do the Jewish people establish the oneness of God within the complex multiplicity of this dark realm of earth? Through tefillin. When they take a physical tefillin, and they write on the parchment, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. And they put on those tefillin. They are proclaiming within the multiplicity and complexity of this earth. The oneness of God. So what do we see here? That it is only through the Jewish people putting on tefillin here in this world first. That we establish the verse that is written in God's tefillin. Thus, God, so to speak, can't put on his tefillin before we put on our tefillin. Because it's our tefillin that establishes his tefillin. It's our tefillin, our putting on that physical pair of tefillin, proclaiming the oneness of God in this physical earth that establishes that we are the nation which is one upon earth. Thus, God's tefillin has to come post our tefillin. So what we're seeing here, according to all the Kabbalistic teachings, is that even though the simplicity of the language of the teaching says that God does and, parentheses, then, he tells us to heed and do, but the facts on the field are showing that it's quite the contrary. It's by the Jew doing a mitzvah we cause that God should perform that mitzvah. Okay? Now we're going to ask the question again. Who does the mitzvah first? Because at the bottom line, we read the teaching as it is. The teaching simply reads, God does and he tells us to heed and to do what he does. Simply speaking, we're saying that God does it first. So we need to reconcile these two approaches. And how do we reconcile this? So to understand this, let's look at how mitzvahs exist within our world. Let's go back to the mitzvah of tefillin, right? In order to put on tefillin, you have to have tefillin. So the first thing you have to do is you have to write a pair of tefillin. You have to create those black boxes. You have to have the straps. You have to put them together appropriately. There's all the laws that has to have four corners, has to equal in size. It's a whole bunch of laws. So first you make the period tefillin, right? That's the first nightmare a father has when his son is getting close to bar mitzvah. Go buy tefillin, and they're not cheap. So what happens when you buy those tefillin? The minute you have those tefillin as a complete set, they are objects of holiness. They're tefillin. However, the holiness that the tefillin have is not in fullness 
as it is, once the Jew actually puts on the tefillin and performs the mitzvah with the tefillin. Because God's desire was not that tefillin should be written. God's desire is that the Jew should put on the tefillin. So there is a whole different level, a total different level. We're not just talking about quantity. We're talking about an absolute quantum leap of magnitude of real difference. When a tefillin is just an object of a mitzvah, holy, or it's an object with which a physical Jew performed the physical mitzvah. And why is it so different? Why is it such a quantum leap? Why is it such a total different magnitude of holiness? Let's go back to what we said before. Because when a Jew does the mitzvah, he's taking me. The me happens when the Jew performs the mitzvah. So you now understand that this tefillin is not just a conduit for the holy words of Torah. It has now become a conduit for the, and you shall take me, which me? The me, which I am God and have no changes. The essence of God, the one that was, is, and always will be without any spiritual evolution at all. Because it is the essence of God, the me of God. Now what happens is that when we talk about these two levels, the tefillin as they stand just as a holy object of a mitzvah never used by a Jew to perform the mitzvah versus the tefillin once a Jew has used it to perform the mitzvah, now we can use that as a form of understanding the difference of what happens when God, so to speak, does the mitzvah before we perform it versus post we perform it. So we spoke about how the mitzvah happens after we do it. Then we spoke about that the bottom line is the language reads that he does the mitzvah first. And they're both right. But they're very different. The mitzvah that God does before we do it is so to speak as the pirates fill in before they were used. Some type of form much greater than the laws of nature, but some form of kista de chayusa compared to the fill in after the Jew does it. So it's only in the mitzvah that God performs as a reaction to our performance of the mitzvah which draws in the v'yikhuli, take me, my essence, the unchangeable me. So, we go back to the question, who does the mitzvah first? Because if we're saying that the real stuff happens when God performs the mitzvah after we perform it, then why does he perform it before at all? It's all about the Jew doing the mitzvah. It's all about drawing the me, the essence of God, into the picture. Not just some, um, okay, whatever. Which is the way God relates to the world, minus Torah mitzvahs, Jews doing Torah mitzvahs. All right, whatever. But if you want God's passion, God's essence, so the verse tells us the way to take me is by doing the mitzvot. So that means that this only happens 
when God's putting on tefillin is a reaction to my putting on tefillin. Not when he's putting on tefillin is an introduction to my putting on tefillin. If so be the case, why does he put on tefillin before I do at all? And the answer is the last introduction I gave for you. It does not make sense that the finite human being should be able to have any impact on the infinite essence of God. This whole cause and effect just doesn't make sense. I don't want to throw out there a gory example, but other than a cockroach getting you really frustrated that it's in your kitchen, can you see the cockroach causing in you any real essence relationship? No matter what it does. And what happens if the cockroach decides to clean up your whole house? There's just, there's just no relationship here. There's an external of an external of an external relationship. <laughs> right? Ultimately, when we see a cockroach, we think it's eating up the bugs. And then when we see a lizard, we think it's eating up the cockroach. And it's all beautiful. But in a deeper relationship, it's not happening. Now, the bottom line is that you and I are creations and cockroaches are creations. We have more in common than we have with God. God is creator, infinite, and we are creation, finite. So if you understand that there cannot be no deep relationship between you and a cockroach, a cockroach and you, how do we picture that there's going to be a relationship and not just a relationship, but we cause a reaction in God and not just any reaction, but we kind of grab God by the essence, turn his face around to us and have eye-to-eye -eye connection. How does that happen? Thus we have that God performs the mitzvah first. Because when God performs the mitzvah first, he is empowering us that this mitzvah should not be our action, but it should be a cause and effect relationship action with him. Because we are doing his mitzvah. So even though his performing the mitzvah before our performing the mitzvah is just like the unused tefillin, it's a much lesser holiness, but it is only through God performing the mitzvah and then telling us to do what he does that empowers us that when we do the mitzvah, we then cause a total different performance of mitzvot by God. It is the me. You are taking me now in the mitzvah. Why am I taking you? What relationship do I even have with the omnipotent essence of you? It's because I did the mitzvah, speaking of God, I did the mitzvah, I gave you my mitzvah to do. When you did my mitzvah, you're now causing me to do the mitzvah, but on a total different level. Because this is all I ever dreamed about. The physical Jew, freedom of choice, doing the physical mitzvah in this world. And thus we now understand what the Medrash says. And these are the judgments. Which judgments? The judgments which God did to empower us. That when we do it, God will do it again, but this time it'll be the Yikhuli, you're taking me. In closing, 
You know, one of the questions which always goes through our mind, really, does it make such a difference to God if little me does this or doesn't do it? Really? You guys ever saw that uh, on YouTube they have the, like this clip? First it shows you the earth and then it backs up and it backs up and it backs up and it backs up and suddenly you realize that you're not even a speck in the universe and on that speck in the universe there's six billion people and you're a speck of a speck of a speck. Really? This is what bugs God? Whether I eat lobster or gefilte fish? Whether I put on tefillin or I don't put on tefillin? You guys heard what we just said? It makes such a difference for God for me and for the universe because without me doing the mitzvah that whole big universe is kista de chayusa it doesn't grab god's interest it doesn't have his passion it doesn't have his true involvement it's that whatever whatever okay whatever but when the jew does a physical mitzvah here in this world all of a sudden god's full attention zooms in God's reacting with doing the tefillin and now we have an essence relationship with God and what this leads to is speedily in our days us building the third holy temple to be a house for the me of God thank you guys